Welcome to the Elevate Purpose podcast, which is all about learning from the people working to solve the world's most important challenges. I'm Michael Slaby from Timshell. Today we're here with Alex Nemchevsky from Ballready, CEO and founder. Thanks for coming and spending some time. It's a pretty busy time for you right now. Yeah, we're very busy, but very excited to be here. Awesome. Um, so as a starting point, to tell people a little bit about your story, Ballotready is a really sort of interesting platform for sort of increasing access and availability to, to help people be better voters, essentially. Mm-hmm. How did you get to this work? Like, what's your, what is your story? So I... I uh, made the first version of the site myself. It was very ugly. I, I really was into teal, the color. Nice. So, um, and I made it because I was preparing myself for the 2014 midterm elections. Okay. And I was thinking about my experience in 2012 where I was... In Your pre- personal experience yeah, trying to personal. vote? Okay. I was super psyched to vote for president. But then I saw my ballot and there were these offices that I didn't really know what they did, like comptroller, water reclamation, judges, and names that I had never heard of before. So I guessed, I left blanks, and I, I felt like pretty guilty and I hadn't really done my civic duty. Um, and so I made this crappy version of the site and I called my co-founder Aviva Rossman because a couple months before that, she called me and she was like, hey, I'm running for local office, will you vote for me? And I was like, sure, yes, you seem very responsible and competent. (laughs) But I didn't even know there was an election going on. And I, so she ended up winning. Uh, She just finished serving her By one vote. Actually. No, uh, just you. I think 16 votes. Really? She won by 16 votes. And uh, so then we started working on it. Um, so it was like a personal problem that I had. Nice. I th- and is your background yeah. in technology? I, before this, I had a human-centered design consultancy, so like a design thinking yeah. firm. And we, which is basically we did qualitative interview-based research to figure out how to make products and sites useful for people. So not tech, but experience and digital experiences and how people use information and all those kinds of questions I was just always curious about sort of how you got from like studying philosophy into building a tech company Um, I there are a lot of tech founders huge companies whose founders studied philosophy oh really that's good creative writing and philosophy and biochemistry I obviously that's yeah right (laughs) I kind of think if I had to do it again I would not study philosophy. That didn't help me. <laughs> but I liked it at the time. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about exactly what Ballot Ready is and how it works. Yeah. So if you go to ballotready.org, you type in your address, we show you every candidate and referendum that will be on your ballot, and we aggregate background information. So their candidate stances on issues, who endorses them, their previous experience, news articles. Um, and we, the goal is to make it easy to compare candidates. And then once you read them, you can select the ones you want to vote for. And you can either pull them up on your phone in the voting booth or print out a list if you want to vote for. And our goal is for people to complete their whole ballot without guessing. Nice. Um, I mean, I'm always surprised, as, and as somebody who's spent a lot of time in politics, by how long ballots are. Yeah. You get 
they, I mean, obviously in this kind of crazy cycle, we're paying a lot of attention to the president and there's a competitive Senate race here this year. Um, but much past that, unless right. you're really connected to something hyperlocal, a lot of it feels like a surprise, yeah. right? And I think, you know, my, my wife was a lawyer and she always sort of does homework around the judges and, and that's helpful, but it, it seems like we talk a lot about participation in democracy and we talk a lot about voter, the need for things like voter registration and reducing barriers to access, but this seems like a pretty key part of effective participation, right? That, that there's a difference between showing up and not guessing. Right. right. And is that your experience, like talking to other people? and Yeah. And, and so, like, we've talked to people who you would think would know, like political science professors yeah. who admit to voting based on, like, a cool-sounding last name or, like, political reporters. Or, or your advisors, probably. Yeah. Do you want yeah, to tell yeah. stories on them? <laughs> and they're like, don't tell anyone. Who are, who are, who's, who's helping you guys So we have David Axelrod and Mike Murphy. We have a bipartisan Board of advisors nice and they're wonderful but they have also experienced this problem yeah. And yeah as people who've been in and around presidential politics at least for a number of decades to the sort of smartest best political folks around right um and and how have how have they been helpful how has i know you're affiliated with the institute of politics at the university of chicago mm -hmm. sort of what's they've been their role in helping you guys get this going so the institute of politics was our like foundational support they were the first ones who like believed in us. They were also the first people to give us money. They Helpful. gave us four hundred dollars in the beginning, and we were so so happy. <laughs> um, and then you know they, before we met David Axelrod, they were like, "You have to prove yourselves to us before we'll allow you to like sit with him." And we did that. And you know, David does not hold back his advice. <laughs> he was like. You need to do these things better. You need to make your site. He said more contemporary, which is like <laughs> an <laughs> extreme diss <laughs> coming from him. <laughs> um, and they just like help us think about how to reach more voters and how to explain the information more effectively. What are the What are the other thi things that you think are so key to participation? I mean, we in, this cycle in particular has been a really noisy kind of crazy cycle yeah. um, and we talk a lot about voter participation in this country particularly on the on the negative side and you know mm -hmm. in terms of low turnout and relative to other mature democracies we don't vote at a very high rate like how does how do you see ballot ready sort of as a part of that problem but I'm yeah. also curious about your perspective sort of more broadly on why don't why don't we engage more effectively in yeah. our own democracy so I think there are problems with the process like people don't know that they have to register they don't know how to register they don't know how to find their polling place like their polling place changes it's just like kind of annoying and if you don't really care that much any barrier any friction any, is going to be a problem exactly um from our end we know if people are if they're not going to waste their time to go vote if they're going to guess on the whole ballot, and that's especially important in local elections. So in mayoral elections across the U.S., the median age of voters is 60. So like, it, wow. it's, a lot, it's a lot worse in the local elections. Um, but 
fundamentally, voting is a very lonely activity. You do it by yourself. It's, there's no kind of social, there's social pressure, but it's not like that fun ever. It's not something you do together. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we can help people be informed and feel confident about their vote. Uh, we host like vote informed parties um, to get at the social aspect, but it's, it's always some, it's, it's a hard thing to tackle. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, the sort of traditional process of precinct by precinct polling locations where you go and you go behind a curtain and you vote is, is that what, how is that shift? How do you see that shifting in states that, you know, states like, uh, Oregon that have gone to all vote by mail? Yeah, that it seems great, but turnout isn't higher. Mm -hmm. I think Millennials don't like mailing things. That is a I <laughs> <laughs> like mailing things is you don't like you don't believe it will actually. That might work. be the quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Millennials don't like mailing things. Um, I think people want to be able to vote online, and yeah. that would be great. Uh, we partner with a company that does that for like the Grammys and Oscars, mm -hmm. and like Indian reservations problem is boards of elections maryland has been has been has been experimenting this cycle apparently but i don't know how it's going that i i hope they're cool with it but we know what do you think the big barriers are uh boards of elections are not that up to date with technology and they're, they're so worried about security and being accused of you know something bad happening mm -hmm. but 30 percent of board boards of elections don't have websites because they don't think people are going to want to look up who's on their ballot online. So there's a disconnect. Disconnect yeah. between how people are sort of experiencing information and how they are being asked to participate in their own democracy, frankly. Yes, yes. I, I, it's interesting, you know, over the course of, you guys are a, are a nonpartisan group and are sort of very focused on participation and quality participation. Where do you see, you know, other, you know, these boards of elections have to, at some point, ostensibly, maybe they don't have to, um, have to modernize. They have to react to, to sort of where the world is going. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see opportunities? Where are you optimistic about changes that are that are really going to help people participate more? So I talked to David Orr, the mm -hmm. yeah. uh, suburban Cook County clerk, and he said he thinks in five years people will be able to like show up to the polling place with a QR code and like just vote by putting their phone up, which is like optimistic in one sense, but also like who uses QR codes? Yeah, it seems like a strange <laughs> technology choice. It seems like the technology choice yeah. someone would have made in a marketing department five years ago. Right, so I think that they're sort of excited about things happening. Yeah. Um, we uh, partner with a group, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, and they make websites for boards of elections. Um, I think all together and with all the data stuff that's happening, people are organizing it better, including boards of elections. They're making APIs for... Yeah, how do you manage that process? I mean, I like back in, in working on campaign days, managing, just like maintaining a voter file is like a massive undertaking with an enormous amount of effort with lots of people and relationships with 50 states and 10,000 counties and it's just it's a tough just managing the data and like being accurate about things like polling locations actually a big undertaking right and so 
the hard thing for us is we have to get the district boundaries to know where to be able to match you with your ballot mm -hmm. and we have to make phone calls we have to we have to get a fax machine we have to go to a, a board of elections and take a picture of like a crayon filled in map of a district it's very it takes a lot of time and effort yeah. Yeah. so so there aren't really good like shape files for precincts sometimes, in sometimes there are <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there are i mean yeah. it, it's an it, it's an interesting how sort of a lack of innovation in some very what seem like some very basic technologies can create very real impediments to participation right mm -hmm. that just not not knowing what precinct an address is in right which seems in the sort of world of google maps in our pocket seems like that that feels like it should be a solved problem right but it's not i mean i think and that's yeah. the thing this is an interesting point for people to to hear and to realize is how unsolved this is right that in in, in a world that yeah. that where we consume information the way that we do where um communications and and computing have changed so much that so much of the infrastructure around how the system really i noticed this i voted early last weekend and just uh, it, it was, you know, I went to my local public library and I, you know, told them who I was and they looked me up in a binder of paper and they moved right. one piece of paper from one binder to another piece of paper, right? And, and it just, it's pretty manual and it's, and it's, and it's a pretty analog process still. Right. Which on the one hand makes you think it would be very difficult to rig because it's so kind of not centrally organized but also is like, we have had reports of people who are like, oh, you're, you showed me the wrong ballot. And then we like look it up and we're like, actually we showed you the right ballot. You may have gotten the wrong ballot when you went to vote. And that that's, does not happen very much. That happened like twice so far, but it's sad that that is even possible. Right. Right, that, that, that there is the potential for this being error prone. I mean, it, the, I think one thing to talk about that I think is important, and especially in this cycle, is that errors in voter fraud basically never happen. Yeah. Um, that sort of statistically happen almost never. Mm -hmm. um, the, the potential for, I mean, one of the challenges around secretaries of state and boards of elections is this challenge around digital identity, mm -hmm. right? Be validating that you are, that you are you. Right is a, is a challenge, right? Because we don't have a national vote, national ID system for good good, some good reasons, right. but that means that identifying and validating who you are uh, in digital spaces is not is also a non-trivial problem. Right. Um, and so, coming up with you know mechanisms for people validating who they are, for making sure that in the same way that you know we want voting needs to be easy, right? Yeah. I think one of the principles that we lose sight of is that. You know, in the of course it needs to be valid. Of course we need to be careful about errors, and people need to be given the right ballots, and people's ballots need to be counted properly. And we sort of make progress. It feels like we make progress every cycle around you know getting away from things like you know the 2000 Florida hanging Chad ballot mm -hmm. sort of style design and some of these kinds of questions. And there are design questions in how this works, right. um, but that making it easier there there's there's very little risk to making voting easier mm -hmm. and i think it's something that it it 
because it's so fundamental to the country and to who we are that we are very protective of it and we should be. But I think sometimes we let that become the reason not to innovate, not to keep up with current technology, not to move forward. Exactly, exactly. I think the other thing, the other thing that we have to struggle with, so is informing people, you can say that you're gonna do that, but it's so hard to get all this information from candidates. And specifically, it's hard to ha have say, candidates. Say more about, dig more yeah. and go, go deeper on that. Like what kind of information you're trying to get from the people who are running? Specifically, their stances on issues. And you, what we see very often is, you know, headline, here are my stances on the economy. And it's like... In favor of the economy. Yeah. I go out in my <laughs> community every day. It's just like paragraphs and paragraphs of inane BS. And, or we see completely opposing stances in the same paragraph. And, you know, if, if you're a voter looking at this, you just kind of like want to bang your head against the wall and you stop reading. Where's that's, the truth? Right, exactly. Okay. That's one reason it might take you four hours to research your ballot because you would give up because so, it's so hard to get them to say something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they do. And what we found is, so the way we get information on the site is we collect it from online sources and then we email the candidates to say, hey, this is what we have on you and your opponents. Let us know if you want to add something or if something is wrong. And it feels a little bit like how Yelp got started. Yeah. Right? Like creating a space that then restaurants had to come participate in. Right. And we have sometimes get candidates who say, oh, I noticed my opponent took a stance on this. I want to make my stance known. And that is like the best day ever when we get those <laughs> comments. How often does that happen? Uh, like often enough to keep you going. Often enough, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. And all we want is for people to, you know, we want to hold people more accountable. We want people to say what they're going to do and be open and honest about it. Yeah, so the more transparency in the process. Right. I mean, I think yeah. that used to be, and I don't want to sort of veer off too far on a tangent here around sort of how news works, but that you know, ostensibly part of the role of a free and vibrant press is that kind of transparency and exposure, positive exposure. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems that we've gotten to a place where there's so much interdependency between candidates and, and, and the press that it's, that it's hard for the press to do their job. Yeah. Um, what other innovations do you see, like where, 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 what other positive things do you see happening in and around, in and around the voting process, in and around the registration process that make you excited about progress? Um, so we sometimes work with TurboVote, and they're doing this initiative to get voter registration up to 85%, and it's typically below 50%. Um, and they're working with, so but, one- And to be clear about the statistics, you, right now half yeah. of the voting age, the voting age population in America is not registered to vote. Yeah. And just wanted to make people to yeah. <laughs> actually make sure they heard that. Um, Turbo vote is great because you know they make white label, it make it really easy to register to vote. But they're also great because they got on awesome companies like Starbucks, Univision, Target, Airbnb to 
get this out to people. Mm -hmm. So it's like both the innovation and they work with boards of elections so they can make it, you know, really this technology really easy for people to use. But also it's about like, I think the way they put it is like something about like when you get a coffee, they should remind you to, to vote. Like it's kind of a boring enough task that everyone needs to help each other do it. Right. So it's both the bringing the community together and the actual technology. What do you think about things like automatic voter registration or mandatory voting? They do these in lots of other countries. Yeah, I, I'm down. <laughs> I'm totally down. <laughs> what, I mean, yeah, but you know. I can see the, I can see the concern, like for us, like, yeah. you know, we want more people to vote and more people to vote informed. I can see the concerns, like having your name automatically on the voter file. You might not want that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I mean, I think these days people's sort of perspective on legislative and legislative changes are are super challenging, and yeah. vote, voting is handled state by state, mm -hmm. right? And so it's actually not a change most of the time. It is fifty or more changes, um, sort of depending on you know New Hampshire handles all their voting by township, yeah. right? So it, it's actually there are actually a lot of changes required to really update the system. Um, what, what are as, as for sort of for you guys for the future? I know you're in ten states. Mm -hmm. What's the goal? What are what are your goals as yeah. an organization? As you know, ten states is a great start, but sort of like what do you what's next for you guys? Yeah. Obviously, we've got six days until the election, yeah. so yeah. Uh, this cycle is probably pretty well baked. But yeah. what's next for you guys? Um, so next year we're covering twenty elections. Most people forget that there are elections yep, going off, on. Off your yeah. stuff. Um, What's next year? Uh, mayoral elections in New York, LA, Atlanta, state primaries. Um, Governors in Kentucky and Virginia. Yeah. 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 All um, kinds of stuff. All kinds Big of. Big stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's an off year. There's a lot of stuff happening. Um, we eventually want to cover every candidate in every election in every democratic country. Okay. So internationally. Yeah. Tell, tell me more about, like, how, how do you imagine these, these things playing out? I mean, it's been interesting. I've, I've been able to sort of connect and, uh, with, with some of the other, other elections in other countries. How, how have those conversations gone in the early days of thinking about, are people interested, open? I, I've yeah. often found other countries more eager, more open to some of these innovations than we are sometimes. So we get people emailing us who, you know, got someone from Australia yesterday who emailed us. Um, we did get, we've had a couple people from China email us and we're like, there's some things that need to happen before we can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure we're the first step. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Fair enough. But that's exciting. Right. Um, so I think, you know, in some countries, ballots are not as long. So, you know, we, we, we're not as helpful. You're not as needed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we also want to do things to engage people in between elections. Because, right. you know, tell them what their elected officials are doing. Tell them what advocacy groups are working on and the issues they care about. So mm -hmm. we're thinking about how to kind of enrich people's local political lives and narratives. Yeah, I think that's such an important key here because we especially internationally, we have a tendency to export voting and not export democracy, right? Mm -hmm. Democracy as a system of government 
by which voting is the method of election, right? But elections are not government. Elections right. are not governing. Elections are not democracy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we forget that in our own country, right? That the, the point of this is governing. The point of this yes. is solving problems and advancing progress and moving the country forward and supporting citizens and all these other questions that are not, you know, who our leaders are is fundamentally essentially important. Mm -hmm. But is the beginning of a process, right. right? Like election day, we used to talk about this a lot, you know, election day is the start of making change and making progress mm -hmm. and moving things forward. And I think we lose sight of that ourselves, but I think we lose sight of that a lot when we talk about helping and supporting young democracies in other countries, about the importance of democratic institutions and free press and some of these other yeah. pieces that you can vote all day, right? But right. It's, it's not easy to sustain a democracy. Right. Yeah, so we're definitely focused on the U.S. first. We'll do that cool. first, get that 50, sta 50 states coverage. That's yeah. when, when do you think you'll get there? I, I used to think it would be 2020, but now I think it might be 2018. Nice. Yeah. In time for the, in time for the midterms? Yeah. Awesome. Um, it seems like, you know, I'd be, be curious about how what you've seen over your, the few years that you've been together in terms of variations in need and participation from... You, know, you talked about, you know, there's, in, relatively speaking, feels like infinite media coverage of the presidential of the presidential yeah. campaign and cycle. There's sort of no one almost that's unaware that it's happening. But you mentioned things like water reclamation district that people mm -hmm. get into the ballot box and have literally never heard of. Right. Um, that this is almost even more valuable in in midterm cycles and with down ballot candidates and lo more the more hyper local this gets the more valuable your platform is. Right. Exactly. And like, I mean, I mean now, on the Cook County uh, ballot, there are 101 judges in San Francisco. You might have 40 ballot measures. It's like insane. But in local elections, people so. This is the first presidential election we've covered. We covered primaries and a gubernatorial election. And in the Kentucky primary, we reached 12% of turnout. Nice. So I think people are, are, you know, they're looking for this information. And it's not because they're undecided about the president. It's because they want info on all the other candidates. Yeah, they want to they know. And, and look, in, in, in a lot of cases, in in super immediate terms, these down ballot sort of more local officials have much more direct impact on day to day life in a right. lot of instances. Right. Um, and, you know, places not paying attention to the things that are closest to you can be really detrimental to communities. Right. And if you think of things like uh, what happened in Flint, even though that was not an elected official, but you know, water reclamation commissioners are doing things like determining quality of drinking water. Uh, mental health um, facility funding. Right. So if you don't think yeah. these things apply to you, they do. Right. Is sort of the message here. Right? And also, so even if you don't care about those really important issues, um, in my my most local office is local school council, and the local school council in my neighborhood decided not to have a Trader Joe's, and like. That kind of pisses me off, you know. <laughs> That's an inconvenience. But if I had actually voted in that election, I could have like 
I could maybe have a Trader Joe's a couple blocks from me. So <laughs> <laughs> voting equals more Trader Joe's. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be happy about this. Um, that's awesome. Um, uh, well, we're going to hopefully share this conversation really quickly so people can can hear more about this before the election. Is there anything anything else you want people to hear and think about before before the eighth? Um, just that your vote at the local level you know some of these races are decided by 10 or 11 votes and you know in in one ward in chicago there are 50,000 people of those that maybe a quarter will vote and so your vote has so much power so you should fill out your whole ballot awesome yeah it's a great message thank you for coming thanks for spending some time with thank us this you. morning this is really fun cool awesome thanks thank you for joining us. We'd love to stay connected. So follow us on Twitter at Timshell or visit us at timshell.com. Until next time.